Chapter Nine, Episode Two of Tartarin of Tarascon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Harris. Tartarin of Tarascon by Alphonse Daudet. Episode the Second, Among the Turks, Chapter Nine. Prince Gregory of Montenegro. It was two long weeks that the unfortunate Tartarin had been seeking his Algerian flame, and most likely he would have been seeking after her to this day, if the little god kind to lovers had not come to his help under the shape of a Montenegrin nobleman. It happened as follows. Every Saturday night in winter there is a masked ball at the Grand Theatre of Algiers, just as at the Paris Opera House. It is the undying and ever-tasteless county fancy-dress ball. Very few people on the floor, several castaways from the Parisian students' ballrooms or midnight dance-houses, Jones of Arc following the army, faded characters out of the Java costume-book of 1840, and half a dozen laundresses' underlings who are aiming to make loftier conquests, but still preserve a faint perfume of their former life, garlic and saffron sauce. The real spectacle is not there, but in the green room transformed for the nonce into a hall of green cloth or gaming saloon. An enfevered and motley mob hustle one another around the long green table covers, Turcos out for the day and staking their double halfpence, Moorish traders from the native town, Negroes, Maltese, colonists from the inland, who have come forty leagues in order to risk on a turning card the price of a plough or of a yoke of oxen, all a quivering, pale, clenching their teeth, and with that singular, wavering, sidelong look of the gamester, become a squint from always staring at the same card in the layout. A little apart are the tribes of Algerian Jews playing among acquaintances. The men are in the Oriental costume, hideously varied, with blue stockings and velvet caps. The puffy and flabby women sit up stiffly in tight golden bodices. Grouped around the tables, the whole tribe wail, squeal, combine, reckon on the fingers, and play but little. Now and anon, however, after long conferences, some old patriarch with a beard like those of saints by the old masters detaches himself from the party, and goes to risk the family duro. As long as the game lasted, there would be a scintillation of Hebraic eyes directed on the board. Dreadful black diamonds which made the gold pieces shiver, and ended by gently attracting them, as if drawn by a thread. Then arose wrangles, quarrels, battles, oaths of every land, mad outcries in all tongues, knives flashing out, the guard marching in, and the money disappearing. It was into the thick of this Saturnalia that the great Tartarin came, straying one evening, to find oblivion and heart's ease. He was roving alone through the gathering, brooding about his Moorish beauty, when two angered voices arose suddenly from a gaming-table above all the clamor and clink of coin. "'I tell you, monsieur, that I am twenty francs short.' "'Stuff, monsieur.' "'Stuff yourself, monsieur.' "'You shall learn whom you are addressing, monsieur.' "'I am dying to do that, monsieur.' "'I am Prince Gregory of Montenegro, monsieur.' Upon this title, Tartarin, much excited, cleft the throng, and placed himself in the foremost rank, proud and happy to find his prince again, the Montenegrin noble of such politeness, 
whose acquaintance he had begun on board of the mail-steamer. Unfortunately, the title of Highness, which had so dazzled the worthy Tarasconian, did not produce the slightest impression upon the chasseur or officer, with whom the noble had his dispute. "'Ha! I am much the wiser,' observed the military gentleman sneeringly, and, turning to the bystanders, he added, "'Prince Gregory of Montenegro? Who knows any such a person? Nobody!' The indignant Tartarin took one step forward. "'Allow me. I know the prince,' said he, in a very firm voice, with his finest Tarasconian accent. The light cavalry officer eyed him hard for a moment, and then, shrugging his shoulders, returned, "'Come, that is good. Just you two share the twenty francs lacking between you, and let us talk no more on the score.' Whereupon he turned his back upon them, and mixed with the crowd. The stormy Tartarin was going to rush after him, but the prince prevented that. "'Let him go. I can manage my own affairs.' Taking the interventionist by the arm, he drew him rapidly out of doors. When they were upon the square, Prince Gregory of Montenegro lifted his hat off, extended his hand to our hero, and, he, as he but dimly remembered his name, he began, in a vibrating voice, "'Monsieur Barbarin?' "'Tartarin,' prompted the other timidly. "'Tartarin, Barbarin, no matter. Between us, henceforward, it is a league of life and death.' The Montenegrin noble shook his hand with fierce energy. You may infer that the Tarasconian was proud. "'Prince! Prince!' he repeated enthusiastically. In a quarter of an hour, subsequently, the two gentlemen were installed in the Platanis restaurant, an agreeable late supper-house, with terraces running out over the sea, where, before a hearty Russian salad, seconded by a nice Crescia wine, they renewed the friendship. You cannot imagine any more bewitching than this Montenegrin prince, slender, fine, with crisp hair curled by the tongs, shaved a week under, and pumice-stoned on that, bestarred with out-of-the-way decorations. He had the wily eye, the fondling gestures, and, vaguely, the accent of an Italian, which gave him an air of Cardinal Mazarin without his chin-tuft and moustaches. He was deeply versed in the Latin tongues, and lugged in quotations from Tacitus, Horace, and Caesar's commentaries at every opening. Of an old, noble strain it appeared that his brothers had had him exiled at the age of ten, on account of his liberal opinions, since which time he had roamed the world for pleasure and instruction as a philosophical noble. A singular coincidence. The prince had spent three years in Tarascon, and as Tartarin showed amazement at never having met him at the club or on the esplanade, his highness evasively remarked that he never went about. Through delicacy, the Tarasconian did not dare to question further. All great existences have such mysterious nooks. To sum up, this Signor Gregory was a very genial aristocrat. Whilst sipping the rosy Crescia juice, he patiently listened to Tartarin's expiating on his lovely moor, and he even promised to find her speedily, as he had full knowledge of the native ladies. They drank hard and lengthily in toasts to the ladies of Algiers and the freedom of Montenegro. Outside upon the terrace heaved the sea, and its rollers slapped the strand in the darkness with much the sound of wet sails flapping. The air was warm and the sky full of stars. In the plane trees a nightingale was piping. It was Tartarin who paid the piper. 
End of chapter 9 of episode the 2nd, recording by Mike Harris.